Out of the gates and ready to go with the Tuesday edition of Hot Mike. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow here with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine at 6th and Peabody in downtown Nashville. It's our hub. You join us here anytime that you visit Music City. Visiting with us in about 20 minutes, Raymond Felton, longtime uh, NBA veteran. Now he's got a, a podcast going and we'll talk NBA playoffs. Of course, uh, Raymond also... Uh, known for his time and winning the title with North Carolina and the Tar Heels. That's coming up in 20 minutes. John McLean of gallerysports.com. A lot to discuss with the longtime reporter for the NFL. We'll dive into all things NFL draft and NFL topics among quarterbacks and big contract extensions and the extensions on the horizon. Dane Brugler from The Athletic, author of The Beast, The Best Draft Analysis, headed your way in the uh, a couple of hours, hour number three, plus Kurt Schilling on the show today. We'll talk all things Major League Baseball and preview the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, which is available at outkick.com. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon. If you ever wanted to know, Hutton, how long the delay is on YouTube, it's about 17 seconds because okay. we just heard the start of your open nice. because I did not have my computer muted. Way to roll right through that. No problem. Uh, that is my bad to open, but I got to it quickly, hit mute. And now we're ready for a big show. What a guest list today. It's going to be good. fun. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. A lot of uh, topics with each of them to hit and the the topic being discussed with the NFL draft right now is what's going to happen with the Houston Texans. And so the NFL frowns upon the idea of the fans and the media and everyone knowing what's going to take place with the first overall pick. Well, news is out, Chad. News is out. Bryce Young, uh, according to reports and the fact that, you know, the reports are he's not taking any more visits, although he has visited the Texans. He's not visiting with anyone else for the opportunity that he falls very far. In fact, the reports are the Panthers have made up their mind they're going to draft Bryce Young. Cool. NFL doesn't like that. When Goodell goes to the podium at 8.15 Eastern next Thursday, he wants some drama behind what name he's going to read. And they want that with the second pick, and then the third pick, and so on. Because after about the top five, then there is some uncertainty with some trades, right? Well, now there is a growing buzz that the Texans may not even draft a quarterback. That we may get to a point where this quarterback crop falls further than what we thought, maybe not like last year, but for all of the discussion about the QBs going one, two, and three, which will be only the fourth time in the history of the draft we've seen that, yesterday Adam Schefter's on NFL Live with our friend Dan Orlovsky saying, hey, I'll, I'll bet 10 bucks, 10 to 1 odds, that we're not going to see the second quarterback off the board until the Indianapolis Colts, if, if even then. We may, we may see a different level of... of a grade once the draft gets going. This, after all the discussion about quarterback needy teams having an opportunity to really bolster their roster and take a chance on a guy that they can develop. I'm here to say there will be busts in this draft at that position, at other positions. There will be a handful that will be in this first round. But if you think Nick Casario or Chris Ballard are looking at this and thinking, you know what? There's going to be busts at this quarterback spot. So I'm just, this isn't the year. This just isn't the year to get the quarterback. 
It may not be your year a year from now because of that decision. You can't rely on the fact that you think a guy is going to be a complete bust as a reason why you shouldn't draft the position. We're, talk we're not talking one guy. There's three options here. And one of them, C.J. Stroud, who was not a bust at the collegiate level, who did live up to expectations on the field with great players around him. And I, I, I can't for the life of me figure out why, if you're Houston, you would pass on that option, given the fact that you've won 11 games over the last three seasons combined. And one of those seasons with, with, was with Deshaun Watson. And you're passing on the quarterback with a brand new head coach, brand new offensive coordinator in Bobby Slowick coming, coming over as well uh, from the Shanahan tree, from, the, from that offense, knowing that they haven't always had the top talent at the position but they've been able to develop the quarterback into the guy that they want. I don't hesitate and, and feel like I can't go quarterback at the top if I'm D'Amico Ryans or Bobby Slowick based on the fact that, well, I guess Bryce Young's already off the board, so we'll just wait. On what? On the fact that Davis Mills is somehow going to become uh, the 15th best quarterback in the league? Or maybe you have to put Case Keenum in and go back full circle where he started and now he's back in Houston to just fill a void and for another losing season. There's no way I sign up for that. Because the top defensive lineman in the draft in no way gives you the bump that this team needs. And if you want to stay where you are, I'd pass on the quarterback. Because you're not climbing the ladder without one. And... The assumption that, oh, now now there's hesitation. There's hesitation because I believe networks are trying to create a little drama to get you to tune in because this is one of the least talked about draft classes as a whole. It's really been a discussion of four quarterbacks, and that's about it. And I think what you're saying is right, and they have to take a quarterback, and they, they will. Um, we've got someone in the YouTube chat also bringing up a good point, saying the fans in Houston will revolt if a quarterback is not picked in that spot. I do also think that there are times when general managers will take a quarterback they don't love simply because of out of fear. They fear that if they don't have their franchise guy and they don't take the quarterback and that quarterback goes on to do something great, they're going to be out of a job quickly because they didn't take the quarterback. I prefer GMs just to do what they feel is right and what is best for their team. Now, what's best for the Texans right now is to take C.J. Stroud. I'm totally with Hutton on that. That's what they should do. But I'm all for if a team says, and this is the message if you don't draft quarterback, if you are the Texans, if you are every team that doesn't trade up with Arizona for number three, or if you are the Colts and you do not take one of these quarterbacks, what you're saying is not that we don't just love the quarterbacks here. You're saying you hate them. Because if you like them at all, you take one of them. I mean, at all. The statement is, we really don't like these quarterbacks. None of them are NFL players. That is what you're saying if you pass up on one of these guys. And they're not going to do that. Because I think these guys are NFL players. And they are going to take one of them. But I do also think there is a subsection at times of general managers who will automatically take the quarterback out of fear simply because if they don't, they know what that's going to look like with their fan base. They know they're dead meat 
even if they don't completely believe in that quarterback. Mutual friend of ours, Jacob, who's a huge sports sports guy, Hutton, said something to me over a, a text over the weekend. He said, we should also get away from the notion of simply taking a bad football player because of the position they play. And he's talking about quarterback. That if you don't take a bad quarterback, take a different position. Even if you need a quarterback, instead of just taking the quarterback that's available in that spot. I don't think these guys are bad. I wouldn't take Will Levis, but I don't think these are bad quarterbacks, so they need to take one of them. But I can also see that side of it with, if you are a GM who says, not only am I not in love with one of these quarterback options, I think they suck. Then you go draft Jalen Carter, or you draft someone else, and you live with it. That's courage. To just do the exact opposite of what every one of your fans wants in drafting a quarterback and seeing if they can get the job done, and you go against the grain and do that because you don't believe in any of the quarterbacks, I will applaud that courage. Now, I'll also be applauding them when they're probably out of a job if one of those quarterbacks goes on to have a good rookie year somewhere else. So that's the flip side of it, and that's well, the risk that, you take. The, I mean, the courage to say wave the white flag because both of these guys that I'm using as an example need a quarterback because they don't have one currently, and they've passed up on the free agent and trade options. They didn't get involved with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Andy's not getting involved with Lamar Jackson, at least not as we know it today. Um, so Ballard needs a quarterback. They've got Gardner Minshew there currently. And on the flip side, Nick Casario is having to answer questions about if he's out after this draft anyway, which is something that John McClain, who is on with us, uh, will be on with us later today, said that he heard at the Combine. And that stirred up some discussion in Houston that he had heard that Casario after the draft was going back to New England. And he said, you can clarify, he didn't believe it, but it did lead to a great throwback, a recent throwback. But, Chad, I think you'll like the reference that Casario makes here when he's answering questions at a pre-draft press conference. And then, you know, before we take any questions, quite frankly, I'm almost embarrassed that I have to say anything. Um, I mean, honestly, I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio and the Wolf of Wall Street, but uh, I'm not leaving. Um, there's never really been any substantive discussions of the sort. Um, grateful and appreciative of the opportunity um, that my family and I have here in Houston. Um, we understood when we, when we arrived, when we got here, that there was a lot of work to be done. And I think when you look across the NFL landscape, there's work to be done in every organization. And think we've made some progress where we still have a lot of work in front of us. Um, certainly, it's been a joy to work with D'Amico um, in concert as we build uh, the team and continue to build the staff. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think this time of year, there's a lot of information um, and a lot of topics that are discussed. Um, some are more accurate than others, and I think it uh, transcends multiple landscapes. Um, but I can't, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm almost embarrassed that I have to say anything, but I feel like I have an obligation to, <laughs> to make that statement, uh, really try to stay ahead of it. I'm, and really, I mean, I don't think there's anything else to talk about or to say or any question about it. Um, there's Nick Casario, and I, I love the reference to DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street with Jordan Belfort. But yeah, he's not leaving. And keep in mind, the Texans also have two first round picks this year uh, because their quarterback opted to leave into Sean Watson. He tapped out after signing the contract extension and then came the full long season sit down when they tried to get rid of him and then everything happened off the field. Point being, 
they can use another pick if they try to if they pass on the quarterback early, trade back up ahead of someone if they want another player. But you don't pass up on the quarterback. You can trade back up and get a defensive player that could fall. And I think they'll end up doing the right thing here with the new coaching staff. And by the way, the new OC in Slowick, he is a he was the passing game coordinator when McDaniel was the run game coordinator. So I can't wait to talk to John McClain they about need this quarterbacks. story with the Texans and Casario. Uh, terrific reference, big Jordan Belfort guy, yeah, uh, big Martin Scorsese guy, big Leo guy. So I'm a big Nick Casario guy now for having referenced that. Um, now the complexion of this draft will look a lot different if they draft Jalen Carter number two overall and then get Hendon Hooker later in the first round if they come out and say we thought we thought Hendon Hooker was better than C.J. Stroud all along. So we got exactly what we wanted out of this draft. Now, most people would call BS on that if they did that, but we would have a different opinion of that if they got quarterback somewhere in the first round. But I think you're right, Hutton. They're, they're not doing that. They're drafting. And the assumption would also be They're drafting a quarterback at number two. Arizona's not going to trade out because the team's not going to be willing to trade ahead they're, of Indy. They're drafting Stroud or Richardson, uh, too. That's, that's my guess. Throwback there, and uh, a throwback that Governor DeSantis uh, referenced through his team. Uh, real men of women's sports. Uh, I had a laugh at this. Listen. Team DeSantis presents. Real men of women's sports. Today, we recognize the men who've hacked the system. Hacked the system! Once mediocre in the men's division, now cream of the crop in the women's. From mediocre to champion! You couldn't cut it with the boys, so you pushed women off the podium. Real men steal first place! Because without you, sports would be fair. Without you, women's sports would be for, well, women. So, what they're saying in the parody there is true and something that you and I, Chad, have said any time that we see this topic on the rundown, right? It's yeah. women's sports are for biological women. Uh, but We're Very consistent with that. Here stance. is the, the tie-in with, with Bud Light, given everything that's happened with Dylan Mulvaney. So here's a, a few things that I have on this. One is I don't see the tie-in because to my knowledge, Dylan Mulvaney is not stumping for Leah Thomas to be able to dominate Riley Gaines and other swimmers in the pool. I haven't seen that as part of this Bud Light terrible marketing campaign. And let's start there. This was a terrible, terrible marketing decision. Yes. And for the VP of marketing of Bud Light to come out and say, we're trying to get away from the frat boy culture. Honey, do you understand your demo? Do you understand your audience? You don't have a mega billion dollar selling beer without fraternities across America, without college kids across America, because the beer is not that good. I don't drink Bud Light because I don't like Bud Light. Let me also give this message out to everyone. If you are going to stand on the pedestal of being anti-cancel culture, be consistent with it. I'm anti-cancel culture at all times. I'm also anti-canceling Bud Light because they made a ridiculously dumb marketing decision. You cannot have it both ways. I get sick and tired of answering stupidity with more stupidity. The side that's on, the side of anti-cancel culture, is now telling everyone to not buy Bud Light and to cancel Bud Light. Don't buy Bud Light if you don't like Bud Light. If you love it, drink the hell out of it. I'm here to tell you that right now. Because who cares at the end of the day? Do I believe that if you make a bad marketing decision that sometimes it should cost you? 
Financially, sure. And that's what's happening with Bud Light. And they get what they deserve. But don't talk to me about being anti-cancel culture and then go on and tell me how you need to go cancel Bud Light. It doesn't work that way. This is what people have been railing against forever. If you're on a, a side that's seen as conservative politically, people have been canceled over and over and over again. Companies, there's been boycotts attempted of companies that have endorsed a presidential candidate or talked to a presidential candidate or shook hands with a presidential candidate or done anything that's seen as right-leaning for years. The response to that is not to get in the muck and be dumb with them and say, well, no, we're going to cancel you too because you know. Just don't do it. Be smart. Be anti-cancel culture. We are anti-cancel culture on this show. That works always. So if you like Bud Light, drink the hell out of it. And if you hate it like me, don't. It's that simple. And we can all acknowledge, hell, Bud Light has acknowledged this was a terrible decision. Right. There is not a planet that exists or a marketing world or an office on Madison Avenue <laughs> that would tell you, hey, you know what we need to do with Bud Light? We need to get more of the trans community involved on this and go against selling to fraternities. That's bad business. And it's bit them because it's bad business. But let's stop with the cancel stuff. If you're anti-cancel culture like I am, then don't be cancel culture about this too. Mock the stupidity of people that want to cancel everybody and everything because they don't agree with it, and then move on. Don't respond to stupidity with more stupidity. Well said. Uh, and I'm right there with you. The, the anti-cancel culture and speaking out against hypocrisy. Yes. That's what this show will do. Look, we have been hired to voice our opinions. And this is what Clay talked about on his podcast with Stephen A. Smith. We talked about the ability to say whatever you want and have no fear of cancellation. I'd be very uncomfortable if having trumpeted these values, these American First Amendment values, like we do here at OutKick and like Clay has as the founder of OutKick forever, if I then came on here and say, but let me tell you this, stand with us and don't buy Bud Light. <laughs> Cancel it. Because they made a bad marketing decision. And the DeSantis video is funny. I did laugh at yeah, it. Yeah, me too. But also, he's making a, a false connection here. Dylan Mulvaney was not talking about trans being able to compete against women in female athletics. They, they, you made that connection on your own somehow with it. So I don't really see the connection to it in, in this instance. But again, if you're anti-cancel culture, consistency. Consistency, lack of hypocrisy. That is what we do here on Hot Mike. Thank you. And coming up, we want to find the consistency and whatever the Mavs were trying to do at the end of the season. Uh, but first, are the Warriors in trouble? They're down 0-2, and Draymond Green was Draymond Green last night with Sabonis. We'll discuss all of the big topics as the playoffs are off to what has been a fantastic start with game atmospheres, results, young stars in the making, at least potentially. Raymond Felton joins us next to break it down on Hot Mike. Hey. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Chad, I was thinking last night as I'm watching uh, the Kings and Warriors game. This series has a feeling to me like that first series when the Warriors were just starting to get going as a young team with the atmosphere and, yeah. and all the talk about the arena. And and I we'll see where it leads to. But it's been a blast through two games. And a big part of it is how the Kings are pulling off these games late. It also reminds me of something from our teenage years and from something from our next guest childhood. The first great iteration of the Sacramento Kings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of late 90s, early 2000s when they finally got it going, got into the playoffs. And that was a fun team to watch in Arco Arena back <laughs> in the day. Or whatever it was called was was hopping. And then they ran into Shaq and Kobe yep. on their on their attempted path to the NBA Finals. Raymond Felton joins us, NCAA champion, UNC Tar Hill, fifteen year career in the league, and uh, host of the Believe in Mavs podcast. Raymond, great to have you on the show, man. Hope things are well. Oh, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. So, are we overvaluing the Kings and what we're seeing right now because they they are matched up and technically they're the three seed. They're playing a six seed, but this is not your average six seed that they're facing and, and beating and up 2-0. They definitely deserve it. You know, you're talking about a team that's been playing at a high level all year. Um, they've proven that they deserve to be in the playoffs, and they're proving that right now in the playoffs. Um, that It's a very talented young team. They're well coached, and um, I think Darren Fox is showing that he's the star that, that he really is in his league. And not to mention having Sabonis, having Malik Monk and those guys coming off the bench doing the things that they're doing. This is a very dangerous team. Do you get the sense that the Warriors are feeling like they're in trouble? Or is this, hey, <laughs> we're playing our game. We turned it over 30 <clears throat> times. If we right. just rein it in, we're fine. Um, I don't think they're, they're a team that, uh, that, that panics. But at the same time, you are down 2-0. Something that you never experience in your playoff in your playoff history. So um I ain't gonna say they panicking, but they 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 gotta be worried a little bit. They gotta be worried because anything can happen in down in San Francisco, you know, those guys can go down there and steal a game and now you're looking at being down 3-0 or 3-1 and you know it's it's gonna be hard to beat them down in down in Sacramento. It's gonna be hard to beat those young boys and the boys playing at a very high level when they they seem to be hungry. Is Draymond Green a dirty player, or does he just consistently make dirty plays over the course of games? <laughs> I don't think he's a dirty player at all. I think Draymond plays with a lot of energy. Um, the, does things happen within the, within the mix of the game, and you know you 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 get you get out of control, and sometimes you you lose your head in in a situation. Then yes, I, I can say that. You know, I've done that before. You know, but at the same time, just to call him an all-out dirty player, I don't think he's a dirty player. Do you ever recall? And I ask this, I'm being sincere when I say this because right. I watch some of the things with Draymond Green, and I think 
if he's not dirty, and I'm not saying you know definitively that he is, I, right. I don't know that I know a dirty player in the last 20, 25 years in the NBA. <laughs> so have you ever played against someone or seen a player where you said, okay, that was dirty, but this isn't a dirty player? Or maybe you know, have an example of, no, this guy was a pretty dirty player when we went up against him. Uh, in the time I've been in the league, you know, I could never really call nobody dirty. You know, you had your guys that was just really physical, you know, and sometimes those guys could be physical to the point where people get hurt. Um, I, I can say that. But as far as just calling somebody blatantly, they just a dirty person who's out going out there trying to hurt somebody. I can't honestly know I can say one person. I don't think so. So last night, Sabonis grabs his leg. That definitely does happen. And then mm-hmm. Draymond Green steps on his chest and, and runs away. It's a technical on Sabonis. Uh, it's right. a flagrant two and an ejection for for Draymond Green. Was that? Do you think that was the right outcome, officiating wise, at the end of that play? I got mixed. I got mixed feelings when it comes to that. You know, Sabonis did grab his leg, grab his foot as he's trying to get up, um, trying to get your leg out of there with a kick would have been a situation where both of them got flagrant fouls, and I think that would have been cool. I think it was just a little bit extra when Draymond kind of stomps on his chest and then lifts off his chest to get off of him. I think that's where it became extra. So, you know, they was forced, you know, to have to throw him out the game and give him a flagrant two in that situation. But when somebody grabs your foot and you're trying to run and take off, you know, quite naturally you're trying to kick away. But, you know, we all know, we've seen the play last night that, it was a little bit more than just a kick. So I think that's what caused him to get ejected from the game. Raymond Felton with us on Hot Mike. Is this where are the where are the Lakers different right now versus what we saw in the regular season? Um, I think just guys are healthy. Guys are healthy. They're they got a better, you know, continuity with each other with, with these guys. Um, I don't think it had to do anything with one person. I don't think it had to do anything with Russ. I just don't think it just it just didn't fit. It didn't work. It didn't work for him. It didn't work for them. So and he's looking great over there with the Clippers and the Lakers is looking good. So, you know, I think it worked out for everybody for them to part ways. Where where did it go wrong with Kyrie Irving and the Mavericks after the trade? And and what do you think is is next for both sides? Um, I think you gotta lock in a guy like Kyrie if you can. You know, you 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 must you must lock him in for sure. You know, if 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 that's if that's a possibility, but then at the same time, I feel like you gotta with, with this Dallas team. You know, they gotta get some they gotta get some defenders in there. They gotta get a shot blocker in there, and then they also just gotta find guys that that can play with Luca, who dominates the ball a lot. You know, when you got a guy that dominates the ball, dominates the offense at such a high level. Um, you got to find guys that's capable of playing with a guy like that, you know. And I think Jalen Brunson was the perfect person. So losing him was a big blow, and, you know, they they can see that now. But at the same time, um, you have to find guys that know how to play the game of basketball that can play with Luka. What happened with Brunson? Why did they get to the point where they parted ways? Oh, I mean, they just they didn't get the deal done, you know. Uh but what I heard, I feel like they could have got the deal done early on. They could have got the deal done early within the year before. That didn't happen. So now you put him in a situation where he can go into free agency. And we all know things can happen during that time, you know. 
I mean, we can talk about recruitment. We can talk about as a player, we recruit guys to try to come to your team all the time. So, you know, who knows what happened? So when stuff like that happens, you know, you you taking a gamble of losing a player. And that's just what happens. You know, he he got offered more money than I think Dallas would have offered him or would have been able to pay him. And then on top of that, you know, you know, he still went to a team that was good, you know. So now look at them. You add him to that team, you know, they go from a team that's possibly can make the playoffs and 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 or doesn't to a team that's can be, you know, pretty scary in the playoffs, can be a contender, can cause a lot of problems. I, I think this is this is a team that can that can beat Cleveland, you know. I, I really do. Raymond. So and then that's a big reason that because yeah. of Jalen Brunson is there. You know? Raymond Felton with us. We're talking NBA playoffs. He's the, the host of the Believe in Mavs pod. Um, so we, we've been discussing the Mavs over the last couple of weeks just based on the situation that really started, at least for me, uh, in that third quarter where the Warriors got a free two points off of what Mark Cuban said was miscommunication. And mm-hmm. uh, two teams at opposite ends of the floor, for whatever reason, they allow Golden State to inbounds of the ball, free layup, two points. The game's decided by two points. Towards the end of, end of the year, I know that the what the day before they announced that they're not going to play certain players, uh, mm-hmm. the NBA came back and ruled that they weren't going to do anything about that result. And I said, well, it's not a coincidence, at least to me, that the following game is whenever we saw the, the starters announced that they weren't going to play. I realized their, their record wasn't that great with everybody playing anyway. And then we... And then it's a three-point game. And then, so everyone's like, the tanking, all these different things. And it's a three-point game at the end of it, which I think complicated some of the arguments for people saying that the, the loss was coming on purpose despite the players being announced they were sitting. It was a very bizarre 24, 48 hours. <laughs> hey, I, I, when I was in the league, we played – we played it out no matter what. Yep. It's, a, it's, it's a lot of things that go on differently now in this league. Um, you have guys sitting out, you know, guys getting rest, getting rest games. And, you know, I understand injuries, you know, injury, you know, minutes, minutes or injury, injury management. I, I get that, you know, having a guy come back off a leg injury and you want to not play him on a back-to-back just to get him back right. I totally understand that, but, Seeing a lot of this red stuff that be in that be in the um, that be in the in the in the what you call it during the games, it's just mind-boggling to me, you know. Because when I came in the league, guys played 70, 70 plus games, you know. That was guys like Tim Duncan and whoever Kevin Kevin Garnett, whoever you want to name, Kobe Bryant. These guys played seventy plus games. So I don't know. It's just it's it's just different for me to see that. You know, the league is just, the league is different now. It's, it's, it's going in a different direction. You know, it's going in a good direction. Don't get me wrong. It's still good basketball, but I'm just not used to guys just sitting out just because, you know, that's that's just something that's new. Yeah, and I mean, it's definitely, it starts up top with the organization, right? They wouldn't do it for load management purposes unless they felt like the analytics said something. But the guys right. you mentioned from your era wouldn't have sat. Is what it's basically what you're saying. They wouldn't have d- taken that directive and been like, wouldn't have wanted to. We're cool least. with it. Yeah. yeah, like I, I think it would be very difficult to tell Kobe Bryant he was sitting out for a certain game or not playing back to backs. Exactly, exactly. So you know, that's just I think that's the difference. And um, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't I don't really know. I have anything negative to say about it, but it just it just wouldn't happen in my time, and it didn't happen in my time. It started happening towards the end of my career. You know, when I got around year thirteen, year fourteen, started seeing guys sit out. You know, for you know rest periods, or you know they just tired, and it's just like I don't know. And I I didn't, I didn't feel like I had time to be tired. I didn't have time to rest because. You know, you got to always think that there's somebody there to try to take your take your spot. That's how I look at it. That's like a quarterback taking a day off from a game, and then this quarterback comes in and plays better than you and shows a better chemistry with the team. Even if you are a good quarterback, you know, you might have lost your job just because the continuity is better with this quarterback. So you never you never want to give somebody an opportunity to come in <laughs> and take your spot if you can help it. So I never was one of those guys who wanted to sit – I try to play through ankle injuries, hand injuries, whatever possible. Like, if I can walk, if I can run, I'm trying to hoop. Raymond, if there was one team that said, we're going to go against the grain, we're going to be anti-load management, we're going to come out here, the guys we draft and bring in here in free agency or trade for, these are guys that need basketball, and they have to be on the court. And they're going to play in every game they're physically able to play in, and we're Mm going to go all out all the time. Do you think that team would be at an advantage – or a disadvantage with players around the league if they made that stance known to every player in terms of going out and getting free agents and building up their roster? If there was one team that had that mindset, do you think it would help or hurt them? I think it would help because at the same time, like in order for guys to get better, they got to be on the court. They have to play. They have to get the minutes. They have to get that time. And then on top of that, injuries is injuries. There's nothing you can do about it, you know. If if it's meant, if it's going, if it's meant to happen, it's going to happen, you know. Whether you playing sixty games or you playing seventy five or if you playing fifty two, like it really don't matter, you know. You 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 can't dictate what's going to happen, you know. You you could try to say well, analytics say if you play X amount of games, then that'll prevent prevent you from having an injury. I don't believe in that. You injury is going to happen no matter what. There's nothing you can do about it. It happens every year. We all know it. It happens when guys played 80 games back in the day. It's happening now with guys playing less minutes. There's nothing you can do about injuries. That's a part of the game. That's a part of the the sports world, period. In football, baseball, basketball, injuries happen. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, I just think that when you when you're being careful or being too careful, that's when things happen. And I feel like guys got to play. And I feel like OKC is one of those teams who benefit from that. If, if if y'all agree with me, you know, if you look at them being a team that nobody had thought had a chance, who had a chance to play in to be in the playoffs this year, you know, because they played all year. They young guys was prepared. They young guys was in big games and was able to win big games down the stretch. And, you know, they did a, they did some great things this year. And I think that they add some more pieces with getting checked back and add a couple more things. I think this is a very dangerous team because all those young guys played a lot of minutes this year. They played in a lot of big games and they got that experience. So, you know, those one of the, I think that's one of the teams that benefit this year from everybody just playing, you know, and not really sitting out like that. They just played and got better each and every game, I felt like. Raymond Felton, our guest. Raymond, if, uh, if someone comes up to you on the street, they don't know you're a ball player, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you're describing, okay, here's what I did. Are you, your first story, is it from Carolina or the NBA? My first story would be from high school. 
Please my first do, story do be tell. from where, where where it all started. You know, just a just a kid that nobody knew anything about. You know, I grew up in a little small town in in South Carolina, Ladder, South Carolina, population of about twenty five hundred people. And you know, I would have never been noticed if I never was able to go to like a Nike camp, ABCD camp back in the day up on the Son of the Carol. Um, being able to play in these tournaments that Bob Givens held um, big time in in L.A. I mean, in Vegas, like those tournaments was able to basically put me in front of college coaches to really show that, you know, I can play at a high level. I'm one of the top kids in the nation as well. I just don't have the same, you know, outlet of publicity that these kids have in a a bigger city. You know, of course, things are different now because, you know, social media, you know, these kids can be seen anywhere. doesn't matter where you at. But when I came up, we didn't have social media. We didn't have none of that. You know, we barely had cell phones. <laughs> so, you know, um, it was just a different time. And I think just that grit, that grind, just me, you know, basically how I said, getting going to get it out the mud and, and getting it on my own made it that much better for me, you know, to be able to be a McDonald's All-American, to be considered the top player in the nation by winning the Naismith National Player of the Year in 2002 as a high school player, you know, to accomplish something like that and then to see – where my career went after that has just truly been a blessing for me and my family, for real. And then you met what? You met Mello on that team, didn't you? That All American. Yeah, we team. was on the same. We, we was on the same McDonald's team. Me, him, and uh, me, him, and Amari. Amari Stoudemire. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Amari, JJ Reddick, you guys that 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 played in the league, you know, for a little bit. And you won a national championship in North Carolina. I don't want to end on a low note, so I won't ask you what happened to UNC this year. We'll save that for the next visit. <laughs> we'll start with that, then we'll end more positive, and we'll get your your thoughts on that season. Your your final um, season there was great. Oh no, my final season was absolutely amazing. You know, some some magical, some that you know I've always dreamed of, and you know had a goal when I went to Carolina when I stepped on that campus as a as a freshman that, you know, I want to win a title here. So to be able to do that with those group of guys and, you know, we all like, we all still like brothers to this day, you know, that was probably one of the most memorable moments, you know, of my of my career, of my life, you know, to be able to go win a national championship, watch that banner go up in the, um, up in the, up in the, um, in the Dean Dome and just, you know, that whole, that whole moment, man, the Final Four experience, everything is something that nobody can ever take from me. You know, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get an NBA championship, so I don't know quite how that feels. But I know how it feels to win a big NBA, I mean, NCAA championship. And that's a that's a wonderful feeling, man. But um, those guys this year, I don't know. I just felt like, you know, they kind of lost touch of what Carolina basketball was about this year. And I mean that by the players, just the, the grit, the grind, how we play and just – you know, what Carolina basketball is about, you know, I think they kind of just got complacent a little bit and, you know, they just got to get back to, you know, what it's about. And, and I will say like some of this, some of this stuff nowadays is the transfer portal stuff is, 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 is hurting, hurting college basketball. If you ask me, you know, a lot of kids is, is able to go somewhere and not be happy or not get the minutes that they felt like they should have got or deserved and they just leaving instead of trusting the process I think that's hurting. That's hurting the game of basketball for a lot of teams and a lot of colleges. Raymond, I think that's really hurting. Raymond Felton has been our guest. Um, hey, it's only April. We've got another. It feels like another three months left in the NBA playoffs. Hopefully, you'll come back on with us 
and we'll continue oh, to sure. uh, recap uh, a few of these series as we get closer, inching closer to the the finals in June. Oh yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks for having yeah, me man. on. Really appreciate you. There's Raymond Felton there. It was great conversation and a lot left to uh, to get to with uh, his playing days for sure. Some great stories behind the scenes. Uh, an incredible story when we come back. Yao Ming is the president of the Chinese Basketball Association. And we were talking with Raymond about the Mavs and sitting players. He's dealing with two teams in the postseason fixing games. That's, that's next on Hot Mike. Six the Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton Withrow with you on Hot Mike across the Outkick Network. Chad, so uh, Yao Ming is the president of the Chinese Basketball Association. In their playoffs, there is uh, not just the accusation of fixing games, of throwing games, but fines and suspensions have been levied. And the New York Post reads straight from the, the details of this story. Uh, it was game a best of three series in their postseason, games two and three that were in question between the Shanghai Sharks and the Jiangsu Dragons. Great job. Okay. Uh, by the way, Eric Bledsoe uh, is listed online as a member of the roster of the Sharks. He, is, he was suspended for this series before the series even started. Okay. Do we know what for? I, no, I, I, haven't, I didn't dig in for that. Also but. fixing games, maybe? Uh, I think they would have clarified that if that's the case. Yeah, you would hope. Um, so the Shark closed the game on a 10-0 run in game three. 10-0 run, and the Dragons produced five straight turnovers to close to allow the other team to close that 10-0 run, to finish with a 10-0 run. Coaches didn't call timeout, and we see the Sharks advance in game three after they were accused of helping fix game two to force the game three tip-off. So you have the teams that were fined $725,000, but they have banned the head coach uh, and the general manager of the Dragons for five years, and they banned the head coach and GM of the Sharks for three years for games being fixed. And the quote from Yao Ming in this, I mean, it's crazy to just watch it play out. And there are a couple of highlights that are involved with this for lack of competitive effort. But uh, Yao Ming said it's just a sad day. Quite a quite saddening weekend is what he told reporters. Did you have any idea this is what Yao Ming was doing now? No. I did not until I read the story that he was the head of the Chinese Basketball Association. I need to know the motive here. Is this a 1919 Chicago Black Sox scandal? Where they're being paid money by gamblers to fix it? Do they just really want to get to their offseason? And they threw the game for that reason? Are they? Is it a boycott against a lack of bonuses in the league for going to the next round? I, I don't. This is we don't get a complete picture of this scandal because we don't really know the motive behind it until they can connect the dots to someone taking money from someone who bet on the games. Yeah, I'll, I'll and in game two, it was the other team that threw the game to get it to a game three. And then in game three, the other team blew the last seconds of the game. 
to the, get the uh, other team to the next round. It's confusing yes. to follow. In the second game, the disciplinary commission of the league said that the Sharks were fined and disciplined for negative contention of a 97-90 loss, while the Dragons were accused of displaying a, quote, lack of competitive effort in the 108-104 loss in, in game, game three. three. Yeah. So, yeah. The whole series was a, was a fix. Do they just draw straws before the series starts and says... That's a great question. I don't we know. We got to get to three games because we get the bonus for the three-game series. But it's like WWE. But you are going to be the champion. You're going to be the one that moves on this year. Next year, we'll do you solid. And we'll be the ones who move on and have to keep playing. Yeah. But you just shake hands before, and then that's what you agree upon? Best of three. That teams were deemed not trying to win. <laughs> was it that one team wanted to win? Both teams wanted to lose. Which ties into a South Park episode, which always now, is the case. This just in, the new head of the Chinese Basketball Association is Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> She's taking over now. Triple H. Maybe already did. The music hits. Yes. Paul Levesque. <laughs> he can go by his actual name. Coming up, Jalen Hurts gets paid, and the team, the Eagles, not going to be salary cap strapped. Details next. <laughs> 